Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Spider sense tingling. I'm in for some trouble. Something's turning my spider sense off. Spider sense tingling. I feel my spider sense. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and it's perfect. <laughs> to listen to the show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And we are continuing for the final week at this point in time our discussion of Spider-Man 1981. We will continue at some point, but for now, we're going to cap off our little palate cleanser with one more episode. Mm-hmm. This is a fun one to go out on, I think. I think so, too. I uh, I think generally overall, not that we're at final thoughts, but just generally overall, I do like this episode and last week's episode better than the first two we covered. Uh, 100% agree <laughs> by, yeah. by a long shot. <laughs> yeah, I think they just do things better. Last week we talked about like maybe they kind of found footing. I think this one sort of supports that a little bit. I think if I'm I'm looking ahead a little bit and it looks like m- the writer is attributed the same, so maybe it, I don't know if we have clarification on whether it's writer dependent or not, but ultimately I like this pair better than the first pair. Yeah, yeah, fully, fully agree. <laughs> so let's just jump right into this one. This is another episode of our Spider-Man 1981, Season 1, Episode 4, entitled, Curiosity Killed the Spider-Man. Synopsis, I pulled it from Wikipedia, because again, it's like every other one. They're either like a fun kind of weird and long, or like too long to do for this. Like, it wouldn't <laughs> even be fun to do a cold reading of it. So, synopsis per Wikipedia for this one is, The Black Cat announces that she plans to steal the Maltese mouse Hmm. and challenges Spider-Man to try to stop her. The original air date was October 3rd, 1981. And again, this is attributed again to Jeffrey Scott. I don't know if that's like accurate or not. That's just what IMDb says. And I think a chunk of episodes after this just lists no writer. So who knows? Who knows? (laughs) There are two main characters uh, that we're going to mention on this one. One that is introduced for the first time in this series and for the first time ever in animation, if I'm not incorrect, right? That's correct, as far as I know, yeah. That's pretty cool. And one that we've seen to this point, but is really focused on in this episode. So the first of those is Black Cat, and she is voiced by Morgan Lofting. She is credited as the voice actor for Aunt May. I think we were wondering if if it was somebody else at one point. I'm, but... So I was wrong. I said in the first episode of the show, and it's funny because you can literally hear me on mic saying, I'm going to look it up and check. Yes, I'm right. And I did check. So <laughs> I wasn't thought... going to call you out, but if you're going to go for it. <laughs> well, because I think we should. Because if, if I'd known that, realized that earlier, I would have added in like a corrections corner or something. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if someone emails us about that. But 
Um, the, even the voice credits are wonky, though. I can see where you might have done a quick search and and come to that conclusion. Well, to be honest, because I thought it was the ni- the 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 first Aunt May from the '90s show, uh, Linda Gary, mm-hmm. and and the reason I was confused is because I was just doing a late skim of her page, and she did have a credit for this show, so I was like, okay, yeah, I was right, and I don't know why I had that in my head that she played both Aunt Mays. But she is just a character in this show. Like, she's just a random guest character. So I saw that credit and, like, that got my wires crossed. And that just, like, confirmed a thought that I had incorrectly in the first place. It's not that weird, though, because if you go to – and, again, all these sources are ones that are pieced together by fans and little bits and pieces of information that we have. A lot of the voice actors – you know, I I kept running into trivia for other shows – that would say like this actor appeared for years at conventions, believing that they voiced this one episode character only to learn later that <laughs> they did not. You know what I mean? Like that's so funny. It, it's actually, it seems like a really common mistake on shows of this era. Granted, Aunt May does appear more than like a single episode, but still, if you go to the Wikipedia page for the 1981 show, Linda Gary is listed as a starring role in the like in the summary of details of the show and that's just yeah. not accurate but it's it's listed that way and so i don't know it's just it's hard when you when you're doing stuff for these shows like it's just it's bound to happen yeah and well unfortunately this is the first time that anyone has ever gotten anything wrong on a podcast ever so i know i hate to be the first but you know we gotta we just gotta trailblaze really yeah yep we'll yep, be the yep. example for everyone moving forward mm-hmm. We're, with such grace we handled this oh yeah i believe so too <laughs> so Morgan Lofting does voice Aunt May in this series. She is most well known for voicing Baroness or Baroness. I don't watch G.I. Joe, so I don't know how they pronounce it. I don't but, know. <laughs> uh, Baroness, because it sounds cooler, in a number of G.I. Joe properties, including both the 1985 animated series and the 1990s animated series, which is significant because very, very, very few actors were hired to do both because they were two different production companies. Oh, so that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. She also voices a character in Ben 10 Omniverse called uh, Fistina, which is now my drag name. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a name. Uh-huh. Uh, other than that, Morgan Lofting didn't do that much. It seems like her main credit is Baroness over the course of, you know, many years and a handful or so of G.I. Joe properties. Hmm. Other than that, it's like smaller smaller stuff uh i know at conventions black cat appears on some of her like banner art and stuff so given that that she appears i think in one episode of the show that kind of gives you an idea of how much she 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 did she is really good as black i really like her <sighs> black cat i think i, I have, think i have i really like her as black cat i have one complaint though and i i guess we'll get to it when we get to it but i love okay. her voice i think Don't i know what wrong. your complaint's gonna be too well, I, I'll say that you did something better than she did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She can't roll an R. I'll just say it. Oh, she I didn't really. That's the thing is I didn't I didn't try to roll the R. I just like made sounds with my throat you, to simulate purring. Whereas but she you, you just, still did, though. <laughs> yeah. If not yeah. rolling an R, you still like pulled off a purr and she she doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, her voice is sexy as fuck. Yeah. And I love it for Black yeah. Cat. So. I'll take it for sure because it's it's hot. Her voice is hot. It really is, which is it's also even better knowing that she also voices Aunt May. So it's like, dang, girl, you got you do got some range. Okay, <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. So uh, shout out to her. She does a good job. Um, just needs to learn how to purr, I guess. 
The other character that we're going to talk about is not introduced in this episode, but is heavily focused on in this episode as the sort of Peter Parker side of things. And that's Betty Brandt, who is voiced by Mona Marshall, who is a big deal. Spider-Man 1981 was her first recurring role, but she's gone on to do like pretty awesome stuff. She's the English language voice of Izzy Izumi in Digimon, as well as Terriermon and a bunch of other Digimon. Fun fact about that, because it is mm-hmm. kind of a big deal that she's continued to play Izzy. Like through, she's like one of, as of the latest dub movie, from my understanding of the cast list, it hasn't actually the movie hasn't come out yet. But from the cast list, as of the la- like the final evolution movie, she or Kazuna, whatever it's called, Kazuna Last Evolution, I think is what it's called. She'll be one of the only two dub actors who has played their the a, a Digi Destined child across like every show and movie. Sora's the other voice actor, but like all the other ones, like Ty's actor didn't return for one movie. Mimi's actor is supposed to not be coming back from this one. So like, that's kind of a big deal that she's stuck through it, playing Izzy through all of them. That definitely sounds right. She is also the current and predominant voice for Sheila Broflowski, who's Kyle's mom on South Park. I think she didn't do it for like two years. Uh, She wasn't the originator of the part, but she's been doing it since 1999. So Hmm. she's been in that show for over 200 episodes as Kyle's mom. So pretty big deal. She also provided voices for, as expected, a bunch of series of the era that we've mentioned, including G.I. Joe, Transformers, Centurions, as well as many that we haven't, uh, such as the Rambo animated series as a character named Cat. Rainbow Bright as Patio Green, the Smurfs as Weepy Smurf, and a show called Spiral Zone as two characters, one named Katarina, so lots of cats, and Duchess Dyer. She then sort of goes on to do a ton of anime English dubs, uh, like a lot of them, which is, I think, probably how she ends up doing Digimon. (laughs) But uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, Macross, Eagle Riders, which is just Gachamon 1 and 2, Trigon, Naruto, Big O, Tenchi Muyo, Dot Hack, Blue Exorcist, like still doing lots of English language dub stuff. And I believe she is, I, I'm pretty sure she is still active and still doing stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, so she's still, stuff. she's doing the, the latest Digimon oh, yeah. movie, which isn't even out Duh. yet. So she's definitely still doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. So big, big, big uh, amount of credits there. I like so her. Done some cool stuff. I like her voice too. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is about it, but it's a, it's a good voice. Yeah, I like it. These, these Both of these these voice actors are are really really pleasant to listen to. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's all we have. We might as well just dive into the episode. Please do. All right. So this one opens on a dark night in an alley where Black Cat is making her way toward and ultimately up the side of the Daily Bugle building. I love that this opens as the very first appearance of Black Cat in an animated series in a dark alley. Like she's yeah. literally an alley cat. It's wonderful. That's great. <laughs> and at the same time, Spider-Man swings through the city realizing that he's late to meet Betty Brant at the Bugles New Year's party. So they are headed to the same place. Perfect setup. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So as Spidey's arriving at the Bugle, by the way, he swings past a building clearly labeled Sony in the background. Oh, um, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what's funny, I mean, because first of all, Sony doesn't even, you know, doesn't get the film rights to Spider-Man until like 99, right. I think. But also later on, they show another billboard or something that says Sony with an M. <laughs> so <laughs> I think actually calling it Sony in the first place like was a mistake because they probably weren't going to use brand names if they didn't want to, but or or they did they wouldn't have wanted to. So sure. it's just kind of a funny thing. But yeah, so he arrives at the Bugle trying to go to the party, but before he can, he sees Black Cat making her way inside. So he does like have a little moment where he's just like, I mean, 
it's just Black Cat. I could just go to the party. <laughs> but but then he's like, Betty's because, you know, Betty's going to be furious if I miss the party. And she will be. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, I should do my job as a superhero and investigate the person that's a known thief that I've encountered before that I need to stop from being a thief. So <laughs> I think you're giving him too much credit, actually. I'm pretty sure at one point he's like, I can't resist, you know, meeting up with danger or something. That's like, true. He's a little too excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And it probably helps that Black Cat is hot, too. So mm-hmm. it's like traded one hot girl for another hot girl. I mean, yep. it's fine. <laughs> you know, one thing we haven't talked about yet, despite mm. this being the fourth episode of the show we've talked about, this show hasn't done any village, like villain origin stories or alter egos. <sighs> yeah. Which is I, fine by me. It's just yeah. notable, I think. Um, especially considering Black Cat would be a known character, but hasn't appeared on any shows. My theory for that for the reason for that is that because this was running parallel with amazing friends with the same creative team, but Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be like airing on the same network with the same schedule that they wouldn't necessarily know which episodes were go of which show were going to air first. And some of these villains cross over and they probably, you know, anticipated that even if they hadn't planned for them to cross over, it might cross over. So they probably were apprehensive about doing any kind of first introduction or origin story for any possibly recurring villains. Cause it's like, you don't want to have a villain recur on Spider-Man if a kid's going to watch that and then watch amazing friends and, and, and see their origin story there or vice versa. Cause amazing friends does yeah. the same thing where everybody just knows everybody already. And that makes perfect sense. It's just, it's it's so interesting that what it ends up manifesting as is exactly that, where everybody already knows each other and there's no, like, there's no real point where folks are much of a mystery, if really ever, certainly not in this show. Mm-hmm. I guess Amazing Friends pulls it off a couple times, like with Swarm. No one knows Swarm, but Swarm is like an alien being. Right. For the most part, like, it just manifests as, as oh, that's Black Cat. I know her. Like... <laughs> Yeah, And it usually means the public does too for some reason. Like everybody yeah. already knew who the lizard was, which again is a safe way to play it. But it's just an interesting sort of universe to imagine as far as like what is the timeline of this Spider-Man? It's also funny too because at least like for some villains you have the precedent of the very popular 60s show before this. So maybe people mm-hmm. have seen re- – kids have seen reruns of that. So would be familiar of the villains with that one. But then you run into people like Black Cat who haven't appeared in that show still being treated the same way. So it's sort of yeah. like for kids who aren't reading the comics, <laughs> this is their first introduction to Black Cat ever yeah. in anything ever. And it's just like, oh, okay, I guess – that's a lady named Black Cat. Okay. <laughs> Which like it's fine. Like kids yeah. will just do like kids will just roll with it. You know? Yeah, and they're not very complicated characters. So, right, like, it's exactly. Not a big deal. <laughs> it's just different than, yeah. than many of the shows we've talked about so far. It's like yeah. kind of refreshing actually in a way. <laughs> yeah, because you can kind of skip all of the origin yeah. stuff and just get to a fun, like, cat and mouse story. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Spider Man has decided, like, I'm gonna see what Black Cat is up to. We cut inside and Betty is wondering where Peter is because Peter mentioned that it's like five to midnight and this is a New Year's party. So like, I'd be pretty anxious too. She's wondering this and <laughs> a very buff looking pirate costumed J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Their New Year's party is a costume party for some reason, which I'm not against. Well, I think every party should be a costume party, but it's funny that they chose that. <laughs> the reason reveals itself pretty soon here. <laughs> I mean, Yes. But it's but they could have also just made it a Halloween party. Like it's true. weird that they're like it's a New Year's party, but they're wearing Halloween costumes. Cool. That's true. <laughs> nothing nothing in this show is dependent on the date, so it could have literally been anything. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm into it. Everybody's everybody's New Year's party should be costume parties from here yep. on out. Everybody's every party should be a costume yeah. party, in my opinion. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but Jameson's costume is this very buff-looking pirate. And uh, Jameson basically says to Betty, like, forget Peter. Like, he sucks. Um, and some of that, of course, is Jameson just giving Peter a hard time. But I also, you know, we've we've talked about liking Jameson when he's like a protective boss, even when he's an asshole. And there's a part of me that just wants to believe that Jameson cares about Betty and thinks that Peter's being shitty and is trying to give her advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fair. Peter's kind of not great with how he deals with Betty, so I get no, it. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. <laughs> This is good advice from Jameson. Yeah. Although he says this weird thing where he's like, his costume was probably Al Capone and they threw him in jail. That's weird. Okay. Swing and a miss, but sure. Yeah. Like, at least at least you're pretty in that costume, <laughs> Jameson. God, he's ripped in that costume. It's amazing. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, when, um, when J.K. Simmons was cast as Commissioner Gordon and got fucking ripped for no yeah. reason for that role. It's yeah. like that. It's like exactly that's like what that's what this J.J. is. <laughs> yeah, that's, it really is. It really is. So, OK, this is where we find out why the writers wanted this to be a costume party. Doesn't explain New Year's. You're right. But explains the costumes because across the room, still inside, Black Cat arrives and no one notices because she's just wearing a cat costume. Right. <laughs> and I think, haven't we seen this before? Didn't this happen? Did this actually happen in Spectacular? Or were we suspecting this happened in Spectacular no, as a like cute pre-reference type of thing? It, it really did happen, but it, it, was, it was just a cameo thing. It was the episode before she appeared in. That's right. She shows up at the Halloween party in her costume. Halloween party. That's right. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, obviously, I, I shouldn't say obviously. It could have been a reference. I have no idea what the spectacular writers are doing. But in any case, it's a cool echo. <laughs> yeah. So she she's in this costume party. Nobody knows who she is. Nobody cares. She's just somebody dressed like a cat. She's wearing a mask. And so she takes advantage of this, does exactly what she came here to do, makes her way through the party, and just starts nabbing pieces of jewelry, like, <laughs> off of guests' bodies. It's hilariously animated, because they're literally just standing there, and she just reaches around them, pulls off, like, necklaces and watches and stuff as they just kind of stand there. Yeah. And sometimes they look surprised, but don't actually really react to it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's good. It's, it's hilarious. It's so funny, because I can imagine it so many other ways done with, like, better technology or done in live action or whatever. And it doesn't even matter because it's just be, – it's almost because of the technical limitations that this ends up being as funny as it is. Yeah. Because, like, no one moves. Yeah. Like, at all. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's also great. funny <laughs> to imagine that, like, these people are coming to a costume party and still wearing their best jewelry and bracelets with their, like, Cleopatra <laughs> costumes and gorilla costumes. Like, the, gor- the mayor is in a gorilla costume and he's still wearing, like, a gold watch under his gorilla costume. <laughs> Yeah, you know, J. Jonah Jameson only hanging out with the the richest and vainest of them all. Guess so. Guess so. <laughs> so because it's a New Year's party, they're waiting for the ball to drop. Because it's only been five minutes, the ball drops. And right when it does, Spider-Man arrives through the window to confront Black Cat. He knows that she's in there. He pretty quickly actually webs her up. And Jameson's like, whoa, dude, stop ruining my party. And Spider-Man's like, shut up. And I'm right. And basically like reveals the sack of loot that that black cat's been carrying around and despite this jameson is still like you ruined my party this is some sort of trick it makes it checks out for jameson it checks out but it's still ridiculous yeah yeah (laughs) it's like the most well i don't know i guess 
Spider-Man has done plenty of very obviously good things in front of Jameson, and that's never mattered before. <laughs> he literally just last week saved him from like being wrapped up by a snake and then was just like, I don't True. care if you don't print a retraction, whatever. Very so, good point. Yeah. <laughs> very good point. <laughs> yeah, that's just Jameson. It's their relationship. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Spidey's got, got Black Cat webbed up. He leaves the party with her restrained. But then on the way down the Bugle building, this is this is actually kind of a fun, like what, what you were referencing last week with the lizard where we sort of like follow them a little bit. In her case, we get a bit of her inner monologue. Like we get yeah. her thinking where she's, I don't remember what she says, but it's sort of like I always come prepared or whatever, which mm-hmm. is not a thing that we needed, but it's kind of fun that like we never get villains interior monologues in shows like this. So it's kind of cool. But she's thinking that that she can escape because she can because she has a little like retractable claw that she like shoots out to claw herself free from his webs and like jumps off like midair. And Spidey does like chase her really briefly. But, you know, she's she's still able to escape when she jumps from a skyscraper onto a power line like effortless effortless. Oh, my God. (laughs) You can keep that in because that was that was magnificently (laughs) bad. She jumps from a skyscraper onto a power line effortlessly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and spider-man's basically like i can't i can't touch that like yeah I, what <laughs> yeah how did she do that yeah yeah which is like you know it is kind of cool because it's i mean we don't know if the, i know that sometimes in comics she has powers sometimes she doesn't or whatever mm-hmm. so i don't know but it's so so they at least like they keep that very ambiguous in this one oh, so it's kind of funny that she's able to just best him by just like being agileer than he is <laughs> yeah yeah well, it's funny because, you know, there's a few times over the course of this episode where she just like walks on power lines or like swings around power lines. Like they really play up the sort of like uh, very literal cat imagery of her walking on fences on like these really tiny, tiny surfaces. And uh, and I, that, I guess, intimidates Spider-Man. They do have a lot of fun with the cat imagery and, and stuff and like the cat mm-hmm. stuff in this one for yeah, sure. I'm here for it. Yeah, me too. So the next day, Peter apologizes to an understandably upset Betty. She swears him off. Like she says never again. And he swears to never stand her up again, which I guess is enough for Betty. I feel like we're not giving Betty enough credit here. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, I think she's in the right. That's like uh-huh. she didn't show up at all and doesn't give her any kind of a s- excuse for it. So, yeah. yeah. In his favor, though, his butt looks like juicy as fuck in those jeans. <laughs> in this. He is so not remotely my type, like, at all. I was going to say, I wouldn't notice because I never think to, like, objectify peter parker for no real reason there are plenty of handsome peter parkers but yeah but i uh, but i agree with you it's just like that's like i've never like the like the least thirsty about peter parker like 100 <laughs> but i do pay attention to these things because the way that like these shows draw butts is so very like particular this mm-hmm. show draws them very well black cat has a really nice one too but black okay but black cat not only is her voice hot as hell she is hot as hell. She is in this show. Oh it's my great. god! Well, the thing is, like, she's not drawn like super exaggerated. I feel like is no, what's good. I don't think so. They don't add like crazy abs or whatever to her. Like, she's drawn like kind of realistically, but just in like a perfect, nice way. Like, she's right. not like a Barbie doll body. She's a real looking body, but just a very beautifully proportioned one. Yeah, I mean, they they do the like clothing that works like skin, which. You know, we're not there. Like, we just got there, I feel like, with female superheroes. Yeah. Way too late. But we, like, uh-huh. just got there. Uh-huh. So it, 
it's it's not fine, but it's at least understandable. That's really the only thing I feel like they do wrong. You could make an argument that like she's still a very like large chested woman, but it's not like ridiculous. You I've know seen what I mean? so much worse in the comics. Oh, before. for sure. Especially so with I'm the way just, they like, do impressed. like the low cut like top a lot of times. Uh-huh. Um, they I think they balance it really nicely in here because you know it's a purposely like sexy cat costume. Yeah, <laughs> like that's you're never gonna get away with that with black get away from that with black cat. But they right. balance it really nicely. I was really mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised with her design yeah they do such a good job they do such yeah. a good job with her she's so much fun this is a great first appearance of black cat in any oh yeah and I, I think so i don't think you know of what we've seen like we of this podcast we've only seen two like two and a half black cats because the 90s show she isn't there yet but mm-hmm. like all of them i think are good in their own ways and they're all they all have like really great voice actors, but they're all portrayed obviously very differently. Again, Felicia, we haven't really we know we know it's coming though. We like we we yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah. And it's like I feel like the, all the black cats that we've seen up to this point are good. Like I'm, Well, I think, you know, like um at the risk of sounding like like I'm minimalizing her character, which I don't want to do because I think Black Cat and Felicia Hardy are interesting characters. I do think that in a similar vein to our Doc Ock thesis being basically two rules and being super simple, I do think the thesis for like what makes a good base black cat is pretty simple as well. And and all of them have kind of done it, right? Like there's this sort of flirtatiousness and like raw attraction about her. And she's also capable with a lot of agency. And like that's that's kind of... Kind of, I mean, she's a thief, but like that's, I don't know. Yeah. That's sort of like an absolute. (laughs) And it just kind of works. And all of them have done that so far. It's true, but you also, I think there is something interesting about Black Cat that even even more so than Catwoman, because Catwoman is pretty much always exclusively like a villain or anti-villain in some ways. Like she's never going to be like a straight up hero, but Black Mm -hmm. Cat has wavered between being a hero or anti-hero and straight up villain. Like this episode portrays her as, as, as pretty much a straight up villain, a fun villain who's, who's kind of a lot more chill than like take over the world villains. Sure. But, but still it's like, she's not going to team up with Spider-Man anytime soon. Spectacular Spider-Man kind of splits, it has her kind of in the middle ground. And then we know the nineties show, she's pretty much just a straight up hero and all of those sort of work in their own ways. And they've all been done in varying ways in the comics too. And I think that's the thing that makes black cat really interesting is that you can play her on all sides of that spectrum and and it generally always works in some way and and we've seen all these different versions of her where I, it all works but i think that makes her overall interesting and why I, I i was nervous to make it sound too much like i was minimizing her but i also think that supports the simplicity of the thesis because if you can have this episode where she works really really well and is straight up a villain and then you can have the 90s show where she works really, really well and is essentially straight up a hero. What you're finding is the common denominators in a similar way to the 90s Doc Ock, to the Into the Spider-Verse Doc Ock, Into the Spider-Man 2 Doc Ock. Like, all vastly different, but there are certain components that always seem to be there that really sort of, like, are anchors for that character. And I think as long as those things are there, you can make her a villain. You can make her an anti-hero. You can make her a hero. And as long as you're nailing those particular aspects of her, you can kind of do lots of different things with her. Makes her more interesting overall, for sure. Um, but I don't think that she's interesting in this episode only because, or too dependently on the fact that we know she's also sometimes a hero. You know what I mean? I think that's a yeah. No, I think I think you nailed it. Actually, that's that's a good that's a good 
counter to what I was saying. I think you're right. Yeah, because there's there's a base characteristics and they're so kind of easy to to work with and so just sort of perfect to the type of character that she is that she is sort of malleable for where she can slot and what role she can play into any given story. That's I think that that's good. Yeah. I think there's beauty in that simplicity too. Yeah. Like I said, I'm 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 I was nervous to even say that cuz I do feel like it's it's almost like minimizing her, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's beauty and simplicity. The fact that she so unabashedly and so comfortably uses her sex appeal and, you know, this idea that that people just sort of like fall over themselves around her. (laughs) Right. That's just kind of always there to some degree. Right. And she's self-interested, you know? So to some degree. I I love that in this episode, she's pretty much just, except for one moment that I'll definitely call it when we get there. She's pretty much only just trying to like embarrass Spider-Man and steal Mm -hmm. the thing. Like she's not trying to, there's, there's a moment where she, it does seem like she's trying to kill him, but I guess you could argue one way or another. We'll get there. But for the most part, She's not trying to kill anybody, not trying to take over the world, not even really trying to steal like that much. Ultimately, she has one thing she wants to steal and she wants to also embarrass Spider-Man because it's fun (laughs) and she thinks he's cute and it's fun to embarrass him. And honestly, I don't disagree with her. Like, (laughs) I think that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's she's fun. I'm I'm not mad at her motivation at all. (laughs) So, yeah. So I don't really know how we even got on that. But ultimately, Betty is fine with everything I really oh we got am- on it because of peter's juicy ass actually is what oh okay <laughs> that's right that's right that's right that's right good call good call so it did come from this scene yeah it all <laughs> but comes ultimately, back to butts yes ultimately peter's juicy butt is in this scene being forgiven by betty <laughs> to bring it around <laughs> so um okay let's see so they do agree to a lunch date this is peter and betty Um, and as they're doing this, Jameson storms into the room and is demanding answers for why Peter didn't attend his party. And as a result, got no pictures of the confrontation between Spider-Man and Black Cat. And I love what happens next so much. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So basically, Black Cat just swings right in the window in the middle of this conversation. Just is just like, hey, what's up? Oh, you know what? I didn't call this out before, but this is reminding me of it. There are a few like really interesting and I think cool animation moments over the course of this episode. This is one black cat swinging through the window because they could have done it any number of easier ways, but they do it in such a way that she's coming from a distance and like swinging into the foreground of this frame. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. The other, which is less cool, but interesting there's a moment on the side of the bugle before Spider-Man and Black Cat even enter the building where Spider-Man like crawls to get a better view of Black Cat. I don't know if it was too long of a scene so they fast forwarded it or like increased the frame rate or something, but he like scurries at an alarming rate. Did you notice that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, it's so funny. It's so That's funny. Amazing. Anyway, all of that to say there's like some weird weird animation moments that actually end up being kind of cool because of the the context around them. All right, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Black Cat swings through the window of the bugle, right? Shows up and immediately goes to feel up to Peter's <laughs> and Betty's surprise, a terrified Jameson. He's Yikes. <laughs> so terrified. Yep. Yep, yep. It's um woof. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's wrapped all around him. Mm-hmm. And now that said, she's not really being th- I mean, she's being physically threatening to him, but she's like cutting the tension by saying that she claims that she only wanted to share with Jameson how she plans to take down Spider-Man, something that gives him 
a way bigger boner than being felt up by Black Cat. That's true. And yeah, so he he warms right up. Black Cat asks that Jameson run a story about Black Cat's next heist in order to draw Spider-Man out. So this is all a calculated plan. Yes, it is a calculated plan that she presents out loud to Jameson with Peter Parker and Betty Brant in the room. Put I a mean, pin in it. <laughs> I love it. I love it because it's just like she doesn't care. Like she's having oh, fun. <laughs> I love it too. But I mentioned last week that there's a weird thing this show has done a couple times now. And this is foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, also, the way she does have one little threat about, I guess it's just like, I'm going to claw Spider-Man or whatever. But the way that she like executes it is by like clawing a portrait mm. of Jameson that's in the Daily Bugle. Which, I like it. The idea that Jameson in his own office keeps a portrait of just himself smoking a cigar. <laughs> in of course his he does. Office. <laughs> He's an egomaniac. We love him, but he's an egomaniac. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, Betty fills Peter in on Black Cat's next heist, or likely next heist. I guess confirmed next heist. It wouldn't make sense if she didn't know for sure. Yeah. At Jameson's request. It's the Maltese mouse, which we mentioned in the synopsis. And this Maltese mouse will be displayed on the Johnny Griffin show live in just a few hours. And basically, Jameson wants Peter to go and cover cover the the... The show, you know, just in case anything happens and also because it's a significant thing. Mm-hmm. So later at the docks, knowing this, Spider-Man watches as the Maltese mouse is loaded into a van and heads to the Johnny Griffin studio. He hitches a ride on the armored vehicle or the armored van and decides to investigate, which, um, by the way, really just means he's like breaking into an armored vehicle. Yep. Lucky he does, though, because inside he discovers that the van and the crate inside is actually all a decoy. Instead of a Maltese mouse, it's a crate full of chickens. <laughs> and there's a note from Black Cat on the side that I don't remember what it says, but basically Spider-Man's like, this is a decoy. Yeah. I don't really get this, but okay. It's silly. Yeah. It, I guess they just really wanted to draw some chickens. I don't know. I guess, because like the implication, not the implication, the explicit explanation is that Black Cat made a decoy van for Spider-Man, which seems like more work than is necessary. Like, I get her wanting him away, but this is, like, a weird way to go about it. But yeah, whatever. except not really because she does want him on the Johnny Griffin show later to embarrass him is what she says explicitly later on. Like, that's part of her plan. Oh, so yeah. She should want him to be able to find <laughs> But, you know, you know what? No, I think we're thinking too much into it. I think literally she's just playing with him. So that's, she's okay, throwing in as many crazy things to impede him and confuse him as possible because she yeah. wants to see him confused because she thinks he's cute when he's confused. And the fact that it's chickens is, like, comical, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think that's okay. all it is. And that kind of explains her whole plan, because her whole plan is is nonsense. But, like, yeah. if, if if she's just looking to play with him, like, like a cat plays with their food or whatever, like, I, you know, I think it checks out. Fair, fair. Also, when he decides to, you know, go after the, 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 the real truck or whatever, he's like, I got to get to it before Black Cat steals that Maltese thingamawhat, which... <laughs> the hard word, the, the word he's trying to remember is mouse. The word mouse. he didn't forget was Maltese, which is the one you think he'd forget. And also uh-huh. he just called it the Maltese mouse before. So, And he's seen a picture of it. It's not an abstract concept, sir. Are you okay, Peter? <laughs> no, he's, he sneezed out too much of his brain last week. <laughs> Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, Joe, and Greg. 
If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So he heads back to the dock where Black Cat is already making her way onto and into the ship with the Maltese mouse. And it's worth noting that this is another point where they cut away from Spider-Man and then Black Cat is essentially the the focal point of this part of the episode, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. Like she's the protagonist of this scene for just a moment, really. She's just like setting things up. Mm-hmm. And then we do cut back to to Spider-Man realizing that he's likely going to be late for a date with Betty again, Spider-Man stops at a payphone and decides, I should call Betty. And when he stops at that payphone, he runs into a familiar guy that we are supposed to recognize that they can't actually name, but is obviously Clark Kent. (laughs) Which is the second Superman reference that this show has made, which is, I mean, we know that all the stuff that I've read, the Superman movie was sort of like their impetus for creating this show. So I guess this is their way to like pay a service to their inspiration for like getting the show off the ground, I guess. But it is just so strange because there's so many fun Marvel references that they could make and name. And it's just like, no, we're just going to have Superman in our show sometimes without being able to name him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's fine. It's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird because it's not like they can actually use Superman music. It's not like they can actually make him look a lot like Clark Kent. I mean, he's obviously Clark Kent and they make a phone booth like all the signs are there. But Yeah, eh. <laughs> it feels like like a thing that would be done today if like the actor who was playing Spider-Man was like an actor who like played Jimmy Olsen in a Superman movie. Right. So it's sure. sort of like let's have a fun reference to that meta thing that audiences are aware of that this actor is related to. Like, that's what it feels like, but it's not that here. And like actors wouldn't really know the production history of the, I mean, actors, viewers wouldn't know the production history of this show, like in 1981. So it would just be like, Oh, I guess Superman's here. Like, it's just, uh, it's a weird wink. Superman's a culturally relevant figure. Yeah. We all make jokes about Superman. It would, it's, it wouldn't be that much different. I know he's a fictional character, but it wouldn't be that much different than just like whatever celebrity was big in 1981, just having him, having him show up somewhere. Like that was Robert Redford. Like it would just, it's just like, okay, that's okay. You made a cultural reference, I guess. (laughs) What is that for? (laughs) Yeah, I guess the only, maybe it's, maybe it's meant to be sort of like teehee clever. We can get away with it 
and so it's like novel well, I guess so. in a way yeah. that a celebrity isn't. But I don't know. Like, is it that novel? I I, I don't know. Like, I just don't know because we're so inundated with better jokes and references now. <laughs> Yeah, and well, and I think because writers know that audiences are more savvy to that kind of stuff, so you can there everybody feels more comfortable in making meta references. So like, yeah. it's interesting that they felt comfortable making a meta reference of some kind. It's just one that is just uh, I don't really, other than the fact that like the Superman movies were popular. It's like yeah, yeah, but it's not like I mean I guess I guess superheroes weren't really in pop culture in the way that that we understand them to be like obviously now, but even in like the nineties or whatever, like there's only like people know Spider-Man and Superman and maybe like a couple of others and that's it. So maybe that's, that's, that's why. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It is weird that it's come up twice now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I guess we can expect it to come up 12 times. I guess coming up every other episode. (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. It's a thing. He does call Betty. That's ultimately the point, I guess, uh, is to get him to a phone booth. So, I mean, he calls Betty. He says, hey, this job is tying me up more than I expected. And once again, she's understandably annoyed, but once again agrees to another one more chance for a date at the Johnny Griffin show. And it does seem like she's maybe more excited to go to the Johnny Griffin show than to actually hang out with Peter Parker, but Fair. whatever. I don't, I don't blame her. Like, yeah, right. I'm gonna. If this guy's gonna be a piece of shit, I'm gonna use him as much as I yeah. can. Like, ring him out, Betty. You do it. You go, girl. I'm totally <laughs> on your side. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> Peter just always <laughs> sucks, pretty much. Yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, Spidey um, arrives at the ship. He sets his camera up on one of the smokestacks outside. That's definitely going to get great pictures of everything that happens. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, inside, Black Cat manages to steal the Maltese mouse because she's good at stealing stuff. She kind of switches the lights on and off to disorient and restrain the folks that are guarding it. And then she flees and passes a uh, caught off guard Spider-Man in the hallway. He does manage to, one, recognize that it's Black Cat because he's, like, disoriented, and two, chase after her and catch up with her, which means he didn't retrieve his camera. <laughs> Whoops. But whatever. It doesn't really matter. He does catch up with her outside, and he once again webs her up uh pretty easily, although I guess you could kind of assume that, like, she's letting it happen, but I don't know. Just as she is swinging away from the ship. Uh, Black Cat outsmarts him, which we will see a number of times this episode, and notices that he is standing on top of an anchor chain, and so she kicks the anchor into the water, and the chain drags Spider-Man underwater, which is, like, kind of terrifying, because after he goes underwater, he's like, oh, no, I'm being sucked under the ship and being sucked towards this propeller that is moving, even though the ship is not going anywhere and has to like cut the chain with the propeller and even says like, if he calculates wrong, he'll die. (laughs) Cool. Yikes. (laughs) But he succeeds. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He doesn't die in case you were wondering. Yeah, no show's not that dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he ends up succeeding. But, yeah, so, you know, he's able to to kind of get out of that and not die, like we said. And then he emerges above the water and finds Black Cat having fleed once again. Um, so he does try to, like, to cut her off on a power line because she loves walking on those power lines. Mm-hmm. He grabs Black Cat, 
takes the Maltese mouse and webs her up a, I think, yeah, like third time. Um, she gets caught a lot, but like always escapes. This is why I hadn't thought about this while I was watching it, but as we're discussing it, I think it's got to be on purpose. He's catching her too easily and she's been fucking with him the whole time. I think it's, no, I think so. It's it's part of her fun because I think she's literally like giving him a false sense of security and because she yeah. always immediately escapes, like immediately. I love that so much more now. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's <laughs> amazing, legit. Amazing. She's she always until the very, very end for very stupid reasons. Wow. She always has a one up on him, I think, which I really love that they did that with her. Like she's yeah. just like there's never anything that he does better than her the entire time. She's always one step ahead of him. It's amazing. But yeah, it's a parking garage this time is where he webs her up, which is important because to foil Spidey yet again, Black Cat lifts up the gate. And like, I guess the gate was the only thing holding the car. It doesn't, whatever. Either this way, cars. Show, there's two things that this show doesn't understand. Animals and vehicles. <laughs> yeah. Animals are just absolutely feral at all times. If they are not chained down to the ground, they're attacking something. And vehicles, if they're not, I guess, penned in by something they just go off but boats cars vans they just can't be stopped (laughs) it's one of those arm gates it's not like it's a cage or something like it's like oh i guess they're all none of them are in park for for some reason and they're on and they're on an incline okay except it's not like it's a cage or whatever or a barricade it's just one of those like arm gates that anything could just like push through lightly so it sure. Make sense. None of the vehicles make sense. This we've seen two in two different episodes. We've seen boats that are sometimes moving and sometimes not, but they're the same boats and cars that just drive themselves. So you know, at least the future, they're consistent. Really. At least they're consistent about it. This is like uh, what show is it that we watched where like no no vehicles could stay in the air without crashing? Is that the '90s show? <laughs> that sounds like a '90s show thing. Yeah. <laughs> Everything must crash. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or maybe it was Amazing Friends, actually. Probably both. Probably both. Oh, it real. is. the. I think it is Amazing Friends, but it's probably both. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, we were saying that because by lifting up the gate, just a whole barrage of cars are just like unmanned parked cars are now speeding off of the side of the docks. And Spider-Man is very interested in like stopping property damage. Which I guess is fair because, you know, it's that could ruin people's lives by their cars just randomly plunging into the Hudson River or whatever. So he does try. He, like, leaves Black Cat to, like, stop them with, like, a web net. But, you know, while he's occupied doing that, Black Cat escapes as she always does. Right. One upside, at least from Spider-Man's perspective, is that he now has the Maltese mouse. So he is left under the impression that, like, okay, she got away, but I've got the Maltese mouse. So... That's pretty chill, right? We know better, especially in retrospect, but he doesn't. <laughs> yep. So he returns the Maltese mouse to one of the folks from the ship. I don't know if it's ever clarified who this mustachioed man is, but he appears over and over. Yeah. And out of note, like, I don't know why he was there at this no point. No idea. I, he's either a producer or a museum curator or something like that. But he's he's the guy that Spider-Man gives the Maltese mouse back to. And that guy says, hey, great job. You did such a good job protecting and retrieving that or getting it back. We would love for you to protect the Maltese mouse on the Johnny Griffin show. And and it's a job that we'll pay you for. So Spider-Man's like, yeah, let's that. Sure, I'll do that. But Black Cat is watching this whole interaction 
and does a little villain monologue, which the show loves, and basically explains that Spider-Man is falling right into her trap because she'll have no trouble humiliating him when he's already on TV and so occupied guarding the mouse. So we get a little bit more clarification on how she plans to do what she told Jameson she planned to do. Yeah. Rad. I love that she's just like a dominatrix. It's so good. Pretty much. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm going to humiliate yep. you in front of everyone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. I love her. Yeah, yeah. So later that evening, Peter and Betty arrive at the theater for the show. You know, things are kind of seeming seemingly going okay, and they do find that Jameson is seated right next to them, which unfortunately is going to kill Peter's boner for Betty. Of course. And Jameson's like, oh, actually, the black cat just, like, called me and told me to come because Spider-Man's going to be, you know, uh, humiliated, and I want to be here for it. Um, remember that thing I put a pin in? Yes. This is what I'm talking about, because... Seeing Jameson and hearing that Black Cat told Jameson to be there somehow prompts Peter to realize Black Cat's plan, which I'm pretty sure she said out loud to Jameson in the office, which was to humiliate Spider-Man. Yeah, but she doesn't specify on the Johnny Griffin show. I think that's the important piece that was missing because it's sort of so like he's just realizing that she wants to do it on national television yeah i think that's the revelation because yeah she because because okay, and i think that's what he, that's what makes fine. him realize that there's a second part of a plan because he knew that there was going to be a heist and he figured he stopped the heist even if she's still out there and might try again mm. but now he knows like oh no it's not just about stealing the mouse like this was all part of her plan to get on this show to to mess with me okay that makes sense i I, yeah, okay, okay. He's realizing that there's more to the plan. I guess I was just confused by what he was realizing. But that that makes sense. It's it's weird that it's a revelation because it doesn't matter because he was already there to protect the mouse from the possibility of her coming back a second time to try to steal it anyway. It's like it doesn't, his knowledge changes absolutely nothing. I think, (laughs) you know, it it really doesn't. It's just more like, okay, it confirms my theory that she's probably going to come here. (laughs) I just like the potential pattern of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man always realizing what the plan is after he's already witnessed the plan in action. <laughs> I do love that. I like, I hope that. that's a thing that keeps happening. It, I, It's it's not good, <laughs> but I enjoy it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think I know who's responsible for this. Maybe it's Black Cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, it's great. <laughs> All right. Well, you okay, that makes sense. What you said makes sense, though. Yeah. Well, so outside, Black Cat is there. She's kind of making her way into the theater through a backstage entrance, and she, like, attacks a guard with an army of cats. I love that. <laughs> so, this is what I meant. This is what I was saying when it, like, goes so hard on, like, her being the Black Cat and, like, the cat imagery, literally having, like, an army, a gang of cats. It's yep. like like her, her street gang of cats yep. that just, like, attack a dude. It's so good. Sick em, boys. <laughs> And it's the only time that she uses them in this whole episode. It's so yep. it's so hilarious. I'm into it. Peter's spider sense finally activates. There's been so many times, so many times when he's caught off guard and his spider sense does nothing. And now when she's not even in the building, now it <laughs> finally goes off. Yep. Man, yep. get your get your head checked, buddy. Mm-hmm. 
But either way, it's like he knows that something's up. So he excuses himself from the audience, tells Betty he's got to like get some film for his camera or whatever. And I don't think she even buys it. She's just like, okay, Peter, if you say so. Which fair, because she doesn't actually care to be on a date with him anyway. But yeah, so he excuses himself to suit up and investigate. He does he check in. He was going to have to do this anyway. That was going to have to happen at some point. Right. He literally it's, hired Spider-Man. It's, I, I was surprised that he was going through with being in the audience the whole time Anyway, especially since, like, he was meant to be a guest on the show. So, like, he has to well, know. I, I don't think he was meant to be a guest when the job was offered. That is a weird development later. <laughs> At least I thought. Yeah, it is a weird development. Oh, yeah. It <laughs> but is. he was hired as Spider-Man. So he knew he would have to be Spider-Man at some point. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that reminds oh, me. Oh, but he we- invited Betty before he knew that, though. Yeah, so he's just kind of juggling, juggling both kind things. Kind of fucked but, himself over. But it is funny that he didn't really, that he waited for his spider sense to leave. Like, he didn't really have an excuse figured out already. Yeah, it, it means that the Maltese mouse is currently unprotected, despite him being hired to protect it. <laughs> it's very silly. That yeah. does remind me, though, the scene when, when he is offered the job is, is honestly, I think it's really funny because it's, he's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, like, bother to... To, to like protect this and the dude's like oh, I'll offer you a bunch of money and then he's like okay sure yeah absolutely Tell, what time sign me up <laughs> and hey, he's, that's on brand <laughs> and he's very clear about that like throughout this whole this whole sequence where it's just like I only did this for the money guys I don't I don't care about this stupid oh, mouse yeah. who fucking cares who cares about this yeah. dumb mouse <laughs> just pay me <laughs> that does happen because basically like what happens next after he suits up is like he goes back to that mustachioed dude and that guy gives him the Maltese mouse and what he does with the Maltese mouse and it 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 definitely seems like Spider-Man is aware of this is to personally hold it guard it and discuss it on stage like as a guest of Johnny Griffin so then Johnny Griffin interviews Spider-Man which is where he then on national television says I'm only doing this for the money and like I was so caught off guard by this <laughs> Well, it, like, how... You're a guest on the show? How are you protecting it? If they hadn't just hired Spider-Man, like, an hour ago, how freaking boring was this, like, Johnny Carson-esque show going to be where it's just, like, our show today is a uh, art piece that we're going to look at, and it costs a lot that. of money. Weird, right? Like, that's it? He is skips it just his... going to sit on his desk, and that's, like, going to be a thing? I, like, they don't even no have, sense. like... A, an art collector or historian to talk about it or anything. Yeah. It seems like unless they canceled all of that because they were like, we got Spider-Man. What a scoop. I mean, that's possible. Maybe. But that's it, possible. It, he's even like, I'm going to skip my hilarious monologue because of the special. It's like, who cares about the fucking Maltese mouse? Why does anybody <laughs> care about this this much? <laughs> it's tiny. It's not even like a big deal. It's like a tiny little like art piece that some that like someone who works for like Exxon is going to buy and put on their desk and yeah. no one's ever going to see again. Like it's ugly. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's small and ugly. You know what's funny, though, is, like, despite all of this, like, absolute absurdity surrounding the Maltese Mouse and the Johnny Griffin show and all these, like, weird little details, I still love this episode simply because Black Cat rocks so fucking hard. Oh, no, for real. For real. <laughs> like, there's so much I'm willing to just, like, not excuse because I'm still calling it out, but, like, basically set aside because Black Cat is so dope in this episode. The fact that this dumbass shit is only set up so Black Cat can humiliate Spider-Man on national television (laughs) just because she can and she wants to. Like, I love that so much. (laughs) It's so funny. 
So, okay, I mean, let's get to that part because that's pretty much where we're where we're headed like immediately after this. I mean, we get like a little bit of Betty wondering where Peter's gone, but ultimately we progress towards like the actual plan that Black Cat is trying to carry out. So Betty wonders where he is. We see Black Cat is watching from up in the in the rafters or on a catwalk somewhere above the stage. And we get like this little weird segment of Spider-Man tormenting Jameson because Johnny Griffin is like, can you show us some tricks? And Spider-Man can't help himself. And this is when, and it makes sense, this is when Black Cat strikes. She swings in while they're they're still broadcasting, steals the Maltese mouse pretty much directly from under Spidey's nose while he's being a fool and tormenting Jameson, and she just swings off. <laughs> and so Spider-Man is like, wait, hold up, uh, oops. And yep. he chases after Black Cat. I love that the whole chase that's inside the studio is being broadcast on TV and to the people in the audience. <laughs> like you see on a TV screen them running like backstage, <laughs> which is so funny to me. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And people are like watching this pretty much until they get outside. Like it's like she definitely accomplishes her goal of making him look like a fool on TV. Especially cuz there's like a whole thing that doesn't need to be there that is absolutely there just to be as humiliating as possible yep 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 it's good it's good i dig it i dig it a lot (laughs) yeah once they do get outside the way that she escapes is by like taking a cab (laughs) (laughs) exactly she just like jumps on a cab and jumps in and just like all right let's go spider-man's like oh geez i don't even i don't have money for a cab how am i supposed to handle this uh the Mm -hmm. way the way he handles it is again I don't know what this show's obsession is with, like, skiing on hard surfaces and stuff, um, or skiing in general. This is where the episode gets absolutely bonkers. Skiing in general, because he skied with a shark in the first episode. Uh-huh. Now, he forms, at least, like, in the last episode, like, he was just skiing with his bare feet on train tracks from a subway, or subway tracks, whatever. Like, this time, he at least makes web skis for himself to ski on the road attached to the cab. <laughs> his web is magical yeah but also that's what you came up with buddy you can't just web swing to the cab like I, <laughs> you're surrounded by buildings it's gonna use less web than making skis what are you doing or just shoot a web line at the back of the cab and then you know like you're attached Pull to it, it. I, and I, jump <laughs> there's so many <laughs> things you could have done buddy yeah, well, he's flustered. He looks like an idiot, and so now all he can do is continue being an idiot. <laughs> that's, I mean, actually, I like that reading of it a lot, actually. I mean, that's real. That's a real, real phenomenon. <laughs> I am humiliated, therefore I can only continue to do humiliating things to make it worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. That's it. Um, and, you know, she's still, because Black Cat fucking rules, she's still able to uh, to outsmart him. She outsmarts him by, like, prompting the cab driver to abruptly brake, which he's just, like, he's totally compliant with. He's like, okay, cool, hot lady. Oh, yeah, he's he's cool the whole time. She literally crawls into his already driving cab and just sits in the back and is like, drive. And he's like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yeah, so he's like, okay, cool. I'm in an action movie now. And he brakes suddenly, which launches (laughs) Spider-Man onto a nearby roller coaster. Because why not? I, yeah. I said this is where the episode gets absolutely bonkers. Probably because there's only like three minutes left. Yeah, and I guess <laughs> they are, you could argue maybe they were near Coney Island, right? So that's yeah. That's I thing. mean, 
Probably. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I don't know where Coney Island is actually located in New York. No so clue. It, it's, is it, it might be like, it, I mean, it says island. So I guess it's on an island. So that's probably not where they are. But I don't know whatever. if it is an island, to be quite honest. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, they're probably counting on that. Yeah. Who cares? It's a roller coaster Doesn't in matter. New York right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's on a roller coaster. Cool. Fine. Whatever. But the the downside is that since he had he was like had web skis and all this webbing stuff going on, when he lands on the roller coaster, like he ends up tangled in his own webbing and Amazing. can't like escape. Amazing. Incredible. Black Cat is an icon. Yep. Yep. She capitalizes on this by hopping onto the roller like the roller coaster like cars. And <laughs> I guess in this universe you can just drive roller coasters from the cars. I'm telling you, vehicles make no sense in this universe. <laughs> yeah. And this is the first time she's doing more than trying to embarrass him. Like yeah. I unless she really has so much faith in him that she knows full well that he'll be able to escape this. It seems like she's finally decided that she's just going to murder him for fun. <laughs> Well, I do think if I had to give this episode, like overall, like overall, this episode, a bit of critique, I'm already sold on the episode and I'm having so much fun that the absolute absurdity of the end of it doesn't like bother me in my core. But I do think the end of this episode. It's bad. It's pretty bad. And it's it doesn't bad. really fit anything that they're doing. I'm only like laughing along because everything they've done to this point has led to this humiliation of Spider-Man, which gets sort of absurd as it's actually carried out. So it's like, it's almost like they were just sort of like, all right, well, we're already here. He's hanging Jameson from the ceiling and there's a big mouse trap and there's skis. Like they've just kind of thrown everything out there at this point, but they did build up to it in a way that it doesn't really feel like a blindside it's not like they hit us in the face with a bag of bricks of absurdity like they kind yeah. of built up to it in a way so it's it's like a legit criticism that it sort of falls apart thematically but i don't know like <laughs> i think that like i think i would be fine ride. <laughs> i would be fine with the murder roller coaster if black cat wasn't defeated in the way that she was because it oh, doesn't well, line up with yeah. anything i would be okay with this i think this coupled with what happens next is what makes the end of this episode weirdly fall flat despite how fun everything was up to this point yeah the end of it is bad i think before we get to what the end is i think the end of it should have honestly just been her getting away yeah like, it I would think make the most sense yeah and and that being fine and him just ending humiliated and not really understanding what happened it smacks of them um either getting like a note or feeling anxious about not letting Spidey win in the end sure especially if if Peter isn't going to win in the end and so yeah. they kind of had to hastily write some kind of ending despite setting up that black cat is pretty much impossible to catch. Um, right. and, and they just couldn't come up with like a clever enough way to do that. So it's just like, yeah. oh, this is how da- it just happens like this. It's dumb. Yeah. Like that's, that's it. Oh, it should have ended with him tied up or something and her giving him a kiss and then just leaving. That would be per. It, it was set up. It seems like so clearly set up to end like that. Uh, that would have been so good. Well, yep. it doesn't end that way. It ends, like we said, in a ridiculous, pretty unsatisfying way because she hops onto this roller coaster. She tries to run him over. He does escape just in time, but he does so clumsily and ends up sort of like jumping, falling into a carnival game booth. Black Cat follows, but she lands on a dunk tank platform. Guess what happens next? <laughs> Spider-Man recognizes that she's standing on a dunk tank platform. He makes a ball of web, dunks Black Cat, and then carries her away pretty much like a cardboard cutout. Like she's just, 
immediately frozen in place by the water? It's weird. It's it's not good. It's not good at all. The fact that she <laughs> walks in, puts down the mouse that she's worked so hard to steal, like just puts right. it down on a shelf for no reason to, I guess, gloat to Spider-Man. But then after putting the mouse down, walks like it's not like she landed on the dunk tank. If that she, was the she case, she would have had to get up onto it, right? Yeah, she because she walks into the entrance, puts the mouse on a shelf at a lower level, yeah. and then is walking while she's gloating, and somehow ends up on the top of the dunk tank. So she had to literally like <laughs> climb up there to stand up there. And I guess you could argue that she's trying to like just have the higher ground on Spider-Man just to like stick it to him even more but she has to know that she's on top of a duck tank over a tank of water like it's bizarre i feel like that would require too much of an ego and the fact that she allows herself frequently to get caught or pretend to be bested that it doesn't like jive you know what i mean with her like needing to gloat over him or be on the high ground like i don't think she's humiliating him to like prop herself up i think she's just doing it because it's fun and so like having some sort of like weird complex about it like doesn't fit which honestly just fits with the rest of the the weirdness of the end of this episode and like not really making any sense with what led up to it I, yeah I, I bet you're right i bet this was rewritten at the end yeah it has to have been because none of this makes sense it doesn't i love her her performance on the scream though when she's like dunked in water <laughs> She's really good. She's, she's really, really good. good. She's so good. And, you yeah. know, I can see what, what they were thinking of, like, cats hate water. And now and yeah. she's in water. It's like her weakness or whatever in a weird way. Because, you know, because after, after she's in water, Spider-Man just, like, picks her up and she's just, like, defenseless. Right. She doesn't move. <laughs> she doesn't move. <laughs> uh, whatever. He carries her away, not moving. And it pretty much ends the way you'd expect. I mean, he he turns Black Cat in. He returns the Maltese mouse. And he meets back up with Betty. It does end in a really weird way, though, because yep. Peter, it's, he's obviously Peter at this point. Uh, he's not Spider-Man meeting up with Betty. Peter meets up with Betty. He, he tries to apologize once again, probably expecting once again that she'll be like, it's fine. Um, but it's not fine. And she doesn't forgive him. And she says she's fed up and that there will be no more dates. Instead, she asks Jameson if <laughs> if he wants to go on a date. And it's not like a weird, like, will you escort me home type of thing. Yeah. It's like very obviously a date because yeah. Jameson is like, woohoo. And Peter's like, wow, nice guys never win. Like, it's obvious that they are going on like yeah. a romantic date. Motivation she aside. She says a night on the town. <laughs> right. Right. And hey, if she's trying to get that sugar daddy Jameson action, like, fine. But Weird. <laughs> yeah, it's also her boss though. Like there's there's it's complicated. Yep. It's complicated. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, really, it's it's not it's not fine, but it's it's all it is is like her trying to piss Peter off. Like that's yeah. what she's doing. Yeah. So, whatever. It's not going to carry over into anything. It's not going to be a permanent change. Next time we see the two of them, they're not going to be dating. Uh, but what a weird, weird note. <laughs> yep. Very weird note. The end of this episode is just strange. So weird. At least Peter like has a consequence for being a shitty, not even boyfriend, but just like a shitty date. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yep. 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 Okay. Really only one face of the episode, uh, but slight variations, two different grabs, same scene. When 
Black Cat enters and, like, doesn't really torment Jameson, but Jameson is somehow tormented by her. Like, is, like, clearly scared and threatened by Uh her. Uh She has, like, sexy look on, because she always does. He has absolute terrified look on. And, like, there's also, like, weird placement of limbs and arms, like, out of the shot. Yep. And so it really kind of looks like it could be, could be that Jameson is like so terrified by the fact that Black Cat like came in, groped him up and down, maybe grabbed his pants a little bit, and he's feeling things and doesn't know what to do about it. <laughs> I don't know where that hand is. Yep. But I yep. feel like both of their expressions say a lot. Uh, it does. It does. It's uncomfortable. It makes sense for a Black Cat. <laughs> But it's I kind of love this version of Black Cat, though, if that's what she's trying to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I it's not great. It is, like, inappropriate Black Cat, but, you know. She is a bad guy. She is a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing in this episode justifies her actions. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. She still rules, though. <laughs> <laughs> she does fucking rule. <laughs> yeah. This is this is my favorite one that we've watched, for sure. Like It's it's so funny because I don't think it's like necessarily the best one, but it was the most fun. It really was. I, I mean, think last week's was probably the best one so far, like from just uh, the way it's put together and written and stuff. None of them have been perfect, but I think that one's probably the closest to like doing most things right. This one's just a fucking hell of a ride. Yeah. Yeah. And she's so cool. She is. She's great. She's great. The only criticism I think is like the one that you had is that she doesn't roll her R's very well. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> but it's a thing. But, you know, it's a thing that they're only doing because of like the Eartha Kit Catwoman. Like they don't need to do that anyway. Um, so, <sighs> like, guess. you know, it's not really necessary. Her voice is sexy and she's really cool, even if she doesn't include the purring puns. So. OK, yes. She doesn't need to do the purring. And if she can't do the actual Eartha Kit impression of like actually purring then I think they needed to just cut the purr puns altogether because I, I just don't think they work if you're just like, perfect. <laughs> like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, otherwise but she's yeah. fabulous. Whew. Whew. I'm feeling things. Right? <laughs> All right. So I don't know anything. I mean, is there anything else about this episode? I mean, It was good. I so much it. fun. I liked so it. So much fun. <laughs> Ending sucked. Everything else perfect and great. Exactly. Love it. Exactly. <laughs> This is like this is a great one to go out on uh, yes. for this show for, for for a while. Oh yeah, great, great, great lasting impression here. So yeah. <laughs> well, if you want more imperfect but very fun things, uh, you should check out our Patreon at patreon.com/slash walloping web snappers. There's all kinds of bonus content you can dip into. And maybe some of it's as sexy as Black Cat. I don't know. You'll have to become a patron to find out. It does have us on it, right? So who? Exactly. Ooh la la. Well, if you are looking for us individually, you can find us all over the place. Derek, where can people find things you are doing? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. I find some of my sexy selfies there. You can also (laughs) find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. I have to burp. Uh. There we go. And you can also find me on another podcast here on the 480 Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. 
If you are looking for more Walloping Web Snappers, though, you can find all of our stuff over on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can get all of those faces of the episode. Check out these uh, saucy uh, Black Cat Jameson interaction screen grabs at Walloping Web Pod. And you can email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what your history with this show is please rate review and subscribe to our podcast on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you review us or rate us it helps other people find what we're doing and if you write a review we'll read it dramatically online next week we return to the spectacular spider-man and begin its second and final season with blueprints Woo! see you then Spider-Man!